Hello, everyone. Thanks for giving us your time today. I'm Ian Hamilton in New York, joined by David Heaney from London Broadcasting for us today. For those of you just joining us, I'm wearing Quest Pro today with face and eye tracking to convey some of my expressions. My hands are tracked by the headset as well. And we'll discuss some of the underlying technology behind our show on today's episode. We're recording this week one of 2024 as we discuss the next steps of personal computing. David, what do we have today? Yeah, happy new year, new year, everyone. We have quite a lot of news from last week that kind of broke just before Christmas. And then we'll talk about obviously the news that's just dropped in the past few days. So just before we start, one thing I'm going to point out is that arguably one of the biggest pieces of news this week was, of course, the release of UEVR, the universal Unreal Engine injector that can essentially turn almost any Unreal Engine game into a VR game. We haven't had time to try that yet or to report on it properly. They released it on New Year's Eve, which is a very strange time to release something, in my opinion. Uh, we are still on a skeleton crew. We're still just finishing covering what's happened over the past week, where we will we were all obviously spending time with our families. So yeah, we will not be talking about UEVR this week, but we intend to cover it on uploadvr.com later this week, and then we will talk about it in next week's show. So just to keep you aware of the situation on that. Now to what we actually will be talking about in this week's episode. We'll talk about the fact that the studio behind Firewall Ultra First Contact shut down just before Christmas, Sony's big title studio shut down. We'll talk about the Meta Avatars SDK finally adding legs, but there's an important caveat there we'll talk about as well. Microsoft announced that it's killing its Windows Mixed Reality VR platform. Ignore the term mixed reality there. It is or was a very much so a virtual reality platform. We'll then talk about some MetaQuest general news. The fact that it was the number one free iPhone app on Christmas Day and, and what that obviously suggests. We'll talk about the fact that Quest 3 is now used more on Steam than the original Vibe. It keeps growing on Steam. We'll talk about the fact that Meta is keeping the Quest 2 price at just $250. That holiday discount is now the official new price. We'll talk about the bombshell news that they have removed TV casting from Quest, the, the built-in feature to cast a Google Cast device. And finally, we will talk about the hint that Meta might demo a true AR glasses prototype sometime this year. So that's something that obviously Meta has been spending tens of billions of dollars on. It's something that they have been using as a North Star for Reality Labs. It's where a lot of that research and development money and, and their general expenditure is actually going at Meta's AR VR division, and they may finally show off publicly something related to that later this year. So yeah, we will talk about that. We have a comment here from MAZ, who is donated 5CHF, and they are saying they want to know the date of the Vive Ultimate Tracker's PC VR beta. We don't know the date yet. You'd have to ask HTC, but we will, of course, be reporting on UploadVR.com as soon as that is possible, because right now, that's mainly just a product for Vive XR Elite owners. Ian is just left there. He'll he'll join us soon. So I'm having a look at the comments here. We have Onikazi, Happy New Year. Daniel Leeper. We have Stingray saying greetings from Guatemala. Ryan B, Black Market Honey, Dmitry Kirshinov, um, Akin, Morningstar, 
the triangulator plenty of people in our comments steve 153 welcome to all of you it's great to be back to talk about vr and ar and we have ian here back again so we should do you have anything to say Ian, or should we should go straight into that firewall news yeah, the firewall news we can start off with right there. Yeah, my I don't know if my connection is going to go out. That was a weird one. So the first Wi-Fi disconnection of 2024. Sorry about that, folks. Thank you all for tuning in. I see a lot of people tuning in from various locations. I saw Sweden, I think Armenia. Very cool to see the global reach of our show. And of course, all the people out there watching us in virtual reality. Thank you for tuning in if you're in big screen or another social space watching us. Thank you so much. Yeah, this first one, the timing of it was very frustrating, I think, for some people to look at it and see. From what I understand, there was some warning internally to the people at the Firewall Ultra studio, but still devastating timing for this studio to shut down. David, you want to get into this? Yeah, I mean, you covered this, so you would probably know more about me, but the... The fact that this was one of Sony's blockbuster 2023 titles for PlayStation VR 2, that this was marketed so heavily and that Firewall, the original, was obviously one of the blockbuster titles for PlayStation VR 1, it kind of indicates that the reception that it got in the VR community, the reception that we gave it, the reception that other reviewers gave it, was clearly reflected there in the sales and retention of this title. This isn't just sort of VR enthusiasts complaining about some niche design issues. We have to just say this, even though it's a very awkward time to say this, given the studio shut down. This was a game that just ignored a lot of the principles of VR design. There was clearly a stubbornness here from the developers who had made many of the same mistakes in the original title. They had brought these over. They were asked over and over again by the VR community, you know, why are you building a pancake game that just happens to have a VR headset in it? Why not give us the ability to actually reload our guns? actually throw grenades, actually do the things that matter with VR track controllers. And it just, it, they never delivered on that. They didn't want to deliver VR native design. There were other issues with the game as well. It's just perplexing to me because, there, you know, VR native design doesn't mean you need to make a simulator. You don't need to make something where you have to intricately, awkwardly, you know, use every control on a gun and, and reload perfectly. Or if you miss slightly, your magazine flies off into the distance. There are plenty of VR games that have a more arcadey implementation, but you're still physically reloading. You're still physically aiming and throwing things. Population One is a great example of this, of where a nice middle ground. And it's just frustrating to see so much effort and money go into something that probably could have been fixed with some design issues. This isn't like the game was too buggy. This isn't, you know, that the, the fundamental uh, funding wasn't there or that the idea or story of the game was wrong. This was These were design issues, and it's very frustrating. Yeah, so I sort of made that suggestion at the start of this that maybe there was some warning. But I think by all indications, if you shut down your studio at Christmas time, you were probably holding out hope or something that didn't surface, that didn't come to fruition, that you expect it to happen. It's devastating to kind of imagine that scenario where a person is looking at their payroll and realizing they only have a couple weeks left to to pay out people. And, and that's sort of the what I've seen in the startup space, in the VR space multiple times, is the situation where people are kind of hoping for funding or someone to come through and take an ownership share in order to keep something going. An example of this would have been Altspace, right? Altspace was rescued 
by Microsoft for a couple of years there and then brought under its wing and the team there continued doing what Altspace was doing for multiple years. And then it finally got shuttered under Microsoft, but it, it got rescued there and people were looking for funding. It eventually got funding and it got continued in some way. This is not that. This is a game studio that was in active development on a game for a platform in its launch year. And everything you're saying there is extremely relevant to let us wonder what the future is of the PSVR 2 platform. There was a game that was leaked from the same studio, basically by Sony. It was shown basically when Sony announced a whole slate of games in the middle of last year. There was a sequel to one of this studio's other games shown on a slide, basically indicating that it was coming as well. Well, that obviously would be toast at the same time that this game is toast. We still haven't had a like a real statement explaining what the wind down is going to be like, whether anyone can get their money back, which is usually not the case in situations like this. And what a multiplayer shooter in a system's first year is a bold choice, right? You you can automatically expect that maybe they thought the install base would have been bigger than it was on that platform, and it, it obviously wasn't. And the question becomes, what is what is Sony's commitment to the future of the platform if one of its early heavy-hitting titles, and heavy-hitting meaning one of their well-funded titles, uh, is toast that quickly? Yeah, this can't be disentangled from the success of PlayStation VR 2 in general. Daniel Leeper in our comments saying, let's be honest, PSVR 2 itself hasn't gone that well. So there is definitely an element of that here. You know, this is a PSVR 2 exclusive, though Sony's funding agreement likely would have taken into account the kind of install base size here. I think one of the key factors that's different from the first firewall is that there's a lot more competition or not a lot more but there is more and real competition in the shooter space on psvr2 than there was on the original playstation vr we have pavlov is on playstation vr2 you have breachers these titles that have really engaged communities that really respond to their community and build what their community wants that are but delivering great VR design that feels, you know, built for VR. You play Pavlov or you play Beach Breachers, there's no complaint of this feels like a pancake game. They feel like made for VR titles. So when you have these big, well-designed shooters, it's not always going to be this kind of heavily funded and high production value, but not well thought out design title that wins. It's kind of like Medal of Honor on Quest when it arrived. Yes, in theory, it's a great game. You have multiplayer, you have this campaign, but the VR design wasn't there either. And you often do have the situation where these smaller studios are building out something and that's better than what the bigger studios deliver. And I've seen people like Denny from Cloudhead Games ask these big companies, why instead of fund these major studios that don't always deliver right, why not give smaller studios that have been proven to deliver, that have been proven to understand VR design well, why not give them a massive infusion of funding and say, build us something great? That's what I would like to see happen in, in the future because we're still seeing the same old strategy of throw a bunch of money at a large studio and see what happens. And it's clearly just not worked here. Well, yeah, I, I loved your opener there that it can't really be disentangled from the platform itself and and the future of that because... We did see the charts around Christmas Day of games that are on the Quest platform 
seeing a spike in their sales and their usage numbers. And I didn't see those same charts out of PSVR2 developers. Aaron Davis with the comment there that they're not seeing much advertising from Sony. And meanwhile, Meta is full throttle on its advertising, showing it on places like the Las Vegas Sphere. Nor was there any holiday discount for PSVR 2. There was, I think, a tiny one on Amazon, but it's unclear whether that was Amazon doing that or Sony. I expected to see $100 off or at least $50 off or some sort of new bundle, some kind of offer, maybe an offer of bundling a PS5 and a PSVR 2 now that we're in the era of PS5 stock being plentiful. But there was really nothing. In fact, there was the opposite. We had that comment that Henry, uh, one of our writers, reported on where Sony kind of came out and said, you know, PlayStation VR 2 is not our focus this holiday season. It's PlayStation 5. And that makes sense from a, a business perspective, but it's a very odd thing to signal when you do have the perception that this platform is struggling. And to be clear, we don't have hard numbers for PSVR 2. We haven't had them since about a month after launch, I would love to see those numbers because Sony was very open with the sales progress of PlayStation VR 1. I want to see when will PlayStation VR 2 reach a million owners? What are the sales like for these games? What is the retention like? Just a general comment that I make every time we're talking about PSVR 2. I think as much as the existing owners and enthusiasts will hate to hear this, I think going for a high-end premium headset was the wrong choice. I think Sony should have tried to deliver something cheaper than PlayStation VR 1. A $550 headset for a console is absurd in my opinion. It should have been a $250 headset focused on getting as many people as possible in so that developers like First Contact have the biggest possible market to address. Maybe that could have been two tiers, you know, a PSVR 2 and a PSVR 2 Pro. Obviously, we're, you know, that's meaningless speculation at this point, or what's the word, uh, retconning at this point. It, what happened, happened. <laughs> and from here, it'll be very interesting to see what is Sony going to do in 2024. Are we going to see new AAA titles for PSVR 2? Are we going to see, you know, titles that were never brought from PlayStation VR 1, like Star Wars Squadrons, like Minecraft, like Skyrim, brought to PSVR 2? Or is this just going to be a, a slow, not death, but just a slow stagnation of the PSVR 2 platform? Yeah, there was, of course, what was it, Vertigo, uh, Vertigo 2, uh, that was going to launch on PSVR 2 right at the end of the year, and then it got delayed. Uh that's, that was a big thing to lose on the platform, uh, sort of parallel to everything else. Um, and what the, what Sony did kind of did re-release a smaller PS5, a slightly smaller system at some point. That's a slim system. And then you can, I, I didn't even really realize this, but you can snap on a disk drive onto this new PS5, which is a different way. Like they had two uh, when the system launched, they had two models, right? They had a disk drive model, they had a diskless model. Now there's a single model and you can physically attach a disk drive. Kind of cool, interesting if you want to have the disks and keep them alive. Uh, you've got a way to do that with a system that's upgradable. I wished I'd had that when I had that at launch, right? I bought the slim one and I love disks, but now I'm sort of left in the cold here. And like, I don't know, it's, 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 there's a lot of people wondering, uh, they also like launched Portal, this handheld device mid-year, which uh, 
David Jagno. I, I saw over on Twitter a uh, former uh, former David sitting in your chair on some episodes years ago, um, talking about how amazing Portal is over there on Twitter. And like, yeah, it's a cool handheld device, but it has nothing to do with VR and doesn't do like it's not. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand what the approach here is. You've got uh, Steam doing Steam Deck and doing apparently very well with Steam Deck. You've got Switch doing Nintendo doing really well over on uh, their system with two models, both a high end OLED and a low end light model and selling droves and droves of their first party exclusive content and then sony is it seems like it's squeezed in the middle here you've got like microsoft doing very very hard into its first party studios as well as uh its streaming cloud system i don't i don't see sony's picture coming together and i'm i thought about whether i was going to mention this and how i was going to mention this before i said all that and i'll just I'll, i'll choose to go about it this way that we are watching the updates from Ivory as they toil away trying to make PSVR 2 run in some way, shape, or form on PC. And then I'll, I'll, I'll let that go. Yeah, I mean, to, to be clear, though, they're, they're still saying that that's going to require a hardware adapter. It's not going to be a, a software-only solution. That's going to massively limit what can be done there. If it was just a software plug-and-play solution, you could really see PSVR 2 become a, a PC headset at, at $550. A lot of people would be interested in, you know, OLED, eye tracking, inside eye tracking with great controllers with haptics. But if it's going to be a hardware solution, that's just going to massively limit who, who can jump in there. So, so Onakazi here, what does really well mean? Have they sold 10 million Steam decks yet? Constant drumbeat of how it's dominating while it's Doom, 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 VR, Quest 2. Uh, so all good points on Onakazi talking about whether Steam Deck is selling well. We have no data other than the fact that the Steam VR numbers, or let's start the Steam survey numbers, uh, show a steady, like, steady percentage for VR. VR isn't growing into a larger percentage overall of Steam, but that could be because more users are getting added to Steam overall in very large numbers by Steam decks. And I, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna mention that as a possibility. And there is absolutely nothing, no reason for Valve to share those numbers until they're ready to share those numbers officially. Yeah, I think the only thing we got was a kind of semi-confirmation that it's north of a million. You know, Steam Deck has sold millions. It does look like we'll get a clearer picture at some point, but I think it's safe to say from everything I've read that Steam Deck is a success, yes, but that's piggybacking off the existing Steam library. A, a comment here, uh, just want to, for, for balance, somebody's saying uh, APUKDCFC, I have no idea how that name can even be said, says there's over 150 games for PSVR 2, not bad for the first 11 months, I hope they're just getting started. It is very possible that Sony is just getting started and that they have this big pipeline of games plan for the future you know quest 2 just got its first triple a games in the past few months its first good triple a games it went from having zero good triple a games to asgard's wrath 2 and assassin's creed nexus almost overnight psvr 2 is still not one year old yet we do have to say that but so far it does look like sony have had some bad luck with the the first wave of titles 
And I don't think many, oh. you know, all of those 150 games aren't exactly what people are going to be spending $550 to buy. Well, let's let's be clear on that. Let's let's make sure the balance is due. Right, a couple of Resident Evil games, the Horizon uh, climbing game, uh, basically. Uh, like there was really, really great single player content on PSVR two last year. It's this, it's this idea that it was enough to sustain a multiplayer market right out of the gate is kind of the, the massive loss here. It seems like a big, big miss. Yeah. The Resident Evil games are really holding up PSVR 2, I would say. I've said this before. Capcom is the savior of PSVR 2 so far. If you imagine a parallel world where the Resident Evil titles were not available in VR, Resident Evil 8 and 4, think of just how uh, weak you would be considering the PSVR 2 library. So hats off to Capcom. Uh, I would have voted for them for developer of the year personally, but that's obviously uh, not something they, they won from our awards. All right, so let's talk about, about yeah, yeah. I'm I'm ready to grill David Heaney after he explains the news here. So Meta Avatars SDK finally includes legs. Let's let's let David Heaney get into this, and then I'm going to to hit him with some questions. Yeah, so the Avatar SDK is what's used in this app. It's also used in Golf Plus and Eleven Table Tennis. Essentially, any third-party app that uses the meta avatars that you see in Horizon and in the Quest home environment and Horizon Workrooms, other apps can use them through this SDK. Horizon Worlds and Horizon Home got legs a few months ago, but it's only just in the past few weeks that other developers can now implement it. However, there's a huge caveat here that we have to explain. Currently, these legs are not animated in the SDK. A developer could use their own implementation of inverse kinematics. Uh, I plan to look into whether they could hook in the generative legs feature that was released by the core SDK team recently into these legs. But right now, out of the box, in the same way that I'm currently animating the upper body of the avatar in this app, there is no indication that these legs are currently animated. So you can display them, but animation is something that developers would have to manually implement themselves at this point. All right. David, when do I get legs here? So that's to answer that, essentially very soon we can add legs in a, in a sense where I will stand up and you will see legs below me. But in the sense of them actually responding to me moving around the room or you know, sitting back down or anything like that, that's something we would either need to implement manually or wait for the next SDK update, which would presumably implement that. Oh, all right. So that's a big, big thing. I, I, I'm, I can't wait to see it. I popped into the studio today wondering if I would have legs. I did not have legs. And all I can think of is this really ridiculous Lord of the Rings m- meme where the two actors were interviewing each other and kept asking about a wig. And I keep thinking about that with David Heaney. I, I keep, when will we have legs? Will we have legs? It's coming eventually. One of these days, I'm just going to look down and I'll have to like, you'll have to look through my avatar to see if I like uh, have an expression to give away that we've actually got legs. Cause it's going to be a reveal. I just, it's on David to reveal when, how we get legs and he might surprise me with them. He might surprise you guys with them. I don't know, but apparently they're coming soon. Thank you. 
for waiting with us through this long nightmare of not having legs. Yeah, it's going to be strange to have legs. So let's get into the next one, or are there any comments we want to get into first? Yeah, just a few comments. Yard Steel playing the VR download drinking game where me showing that we have no legs is one of the things you drink for. Hopefully Ian doesn't get in to walk about mini golf or Ray Ban meta glasses or people will get very, very drunk. Uh, I'm ready to talk comments. about the Ray Bans. I won't I won't talk about the other one today, but I I will talk about Ray Bans since you mentioned That's it. Not Thank on the you, list, David. Ian. Not this oh, not man. God not for dang the it. show in a row. <laughs> so we have a few questions here asking about the difference between upper body tracking and, and the generative legs and when these things are releasing. To be clear, these these are separate topics here. There is the upper body tracking and generative legs that we talked about in the last show that's part of the core quest sdk the developers use and then there's this meta avatars sdk which is at a higher level specific avatar implementation that is that uses some of those features or at least previous versions but as far as we know this does not use the upper body tracking and generative legs which is part of the core sdk this avatars sdk tend to lag behind the core features in that sense. And again, this is only the meta avatars we're talking about here. We're not talking about the general tracking. But again, George, just to to be very clear on your question, the upper body tracking already released. You can go back to our last episode where we talk about that, or you can just go to uploadvr.com and type body tracking in, in the search, and you should see that. But yes, let's talk. I noticed... Uh... Daniel's question or Daniel's comment here, things I've never heard from non-VR people. I'd be into VR, but the lack of legs has put me off. I appreciate that comment. That is pretty spot on. And then Aaron Davis saying, so many people I know got them for Christmas referring to the Ray-Bans. Thank you. I have nothing so what you do see though is, or at least you did see before Horizon had legs, was a lot of ridicule from people in the wider tech media and on social media in general, criticizing the lack of legs in VR. It is one of those things that I, I agree with you. It's not a huge issue once you're in VR. It does look weird on other people when you don't see legs, though I do think it is a bit jarring. But where it really matters is when you're sharing content from a third-person perspective to other platforms and people who are maybe interested in VR are starting to look into it, see this, and they immediately have this idea of, oh, that's so janky, it looks so terrible. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, apps that show only your hands, which before upper body tracking, I still think is the right option in most cases. And, and you know, Valve does it in Half-Life Alex, and there's plenty of great VR games that only show your hands. But if you show people a recording of gameplay of that on YouTube, the comments you'll see will be filled with, oh my God, this is so janky, And but why does it only have hands? I've seen people commenting that on Half-Life Alex gameplay footage. It's one of those things that doesn't matter to us, but if you're trying to market VR or get people interested, it really does matter. Well, it's interesting to think of yeah, uh, hands, no hands, uh, legs, no legs being part of a suite of options related to accessibility and uh, comfort, right? Because those comments that David's mentioning, right, uh, those happen on games that reach massive audiences, the games that kind of uh, dig into audiences that aren't the audience that tunes into us every week. Um where was it? Um, James, most of the people I heard complain about no legs were not regular VR users. They didn't like the idea of no legs. Yeah, uh, in practice and to a lot of the points, right, you forget that they're not there uh, in most games. But I'm going to come back to my kind of uh, 
refrain here, right? Dancing. The entire genre of dancing has been remade as rhythm games in VR because of the lack of foot and feet tracking. And I think it's just kind of silly to not think that VR would benefit. Like, if you if VR is going to benefit from really robust feed tracking, the question is when will we get there and at what prices? Yeah, I, that is definitely true. But I just want to be very clear to disentangle what we're talking about here, which is just legs that look plausible on other people, not actual leg tracking. The, the purpose of this in the SDK is to show other people's avatars with plausible legs. This was not actual leg tracking, nor has anything that Meta has announced so far actual leg tracking, even the generative legs we talked about in the last episode and that was released and that isn't yet part of this Avatars SDK. That's just guessing your leg positions. But I completely agree with you in the, in the long-term future, built-in leg tracking on headsets is something we want to eventually see because as you as you point out, it does open up a huge number of potential use cases. So just before I, we move on to the next topic, unless you have something to say, Ian. Yeah, well, I wanted to. I'm, I'm seeing people comment on their sort of Christmas experiences, right? They're, they've, they've, people have just come off a couple weeks of demoing VR to family, friends, uh, some people who got headsets of various kinds. Please share in the comments your experience of what it was like to experience VR for yourself over the holiday ex- holidays, what it was like to share with friends. I want to see those details. We will talk about them, I think, as we go through the show, because these are really detailed, interesting things to think about. People mentioning uh, the lack of eyes, right? The lack of being blocked off from the real world being something that I, I saw in our comments someone complained about. Well, that's something that would be hypothetically solved for the Apple Vision Pro, which we have extensive debate uh, amongst developers, amongst the community of whether that's going to be a valuable feature. Yeah, for sure. So a few questions I'm seeing in the comments here. Firstly, someone asking about if we're talking about UEVR today. I explained at the start of the show, which you may not have seen, that we haven't had a time to test that yet because it was released on New Year's Eve of all days. And we are still on a skeleton crew. We're still covering the news from the past week. So we're going to talk about that next week when we actually get time to try that. Because I don't know about you, but on New Year's Eve, I was spending time with my family and friends not playing VR, crazily enough. But yeah, we are going to move on to the next topic because the other thing we're asked a lot about is Chromecast and in the comments here. And that is actually our seventh topic of today. And we're just going to now move on to our third topic. So the third topic that we're talking about today is Microsoft announcing the deprecation of its Windows Mixed Reality VR platform. Some of you in the comments may own one of these headsets or maybe you did in the past. And, and despite the name of Windows Mixed Reality These were PC VR headsets. They actually introduced camera-based insight-out tracking to the market. These released before Rift S and and Quest, you know, two years before Rift S and Quest. And they had these two cameras on the front and these uh, controllers with visible light LEDs you could actually see. And they offered prices that were as low as $200 at times for these LCD headsets, as well as an an OLED option, the, the Samsung odyssey headset that used the the same oled displays that would eventually go into the vive pro and oculus quest but but years beforehand but it never really took off as a platform you know these two front cameras just didn't have the tracking range to capture controller movement in the way that people really wanted uh you know if you're trying to do things like a bow and arrow or even any game where you're trying to grab things while behind you while you're moving forward you can see that 
even right now, my hand tracking range is wider than what the controller tracking range was on these headsets, as well as the fact that, you know, it was tangled to this Microsoft software. It really never took off. At most, it got to around 10% of Steam VR users were using this. And uh, now it's something like 5% where it's been for years. So yeah, last week, Microsoft announced that it's officially deprecated and will be removed in a future release of Windows. And a source at Microsoft told us that this future release of Windows will arrive in late 2024, so later this year. And then Microsoft, after we asked them officially, told us that the required mixed reality portal application and the Steam VR driver for these headsets will no longer be available for download from November 2026. So about uh, just under three years from now, the software that's required for these headsets will no longer be available. So if you've updated past that, this won't be something you can use anymore. So, the, you know, to be clear, this isn't a bricking of existing headsets. If you still have this and you, you keep the software around, you can use it. But if you want to resell this thing in a few years, there's going to be a lot of people that won't be able to set it up anymore. Yeah. So I've got a couple Windows MR headsets sitting around at the bottom of crates. Uh, they've been there for years. As people in our comments are noting, that's been the reality of Windows Mixed Reality for years. It's It's been a dead platform for a long time. It's just now the uh, the nail is put in the official coffin. I will I will miss, uh, David, I will miss my my five minutes in the Halo VR experience that I tried. Uh, I did, you know, there, that did exist. It, wait, did it? Because it's so buried in my memory. It was so bad. That existed, right, David? It existed, yes. It was the only yeah. piece of exclusive content on the Windows Store for VR that I can even <laughs> think of. I don't think there was anything yeah, else. Yeah, all right. So I wish I wish I had video of it. You know, if I could go pull it up, right? It's it's basically a cardboard shooter game. Like you're, It's like a training mission for the Halo universe. You're in like a docking bay, I think. And you just have to shoot these targets coming out. It, I, I, we should find the humans who built that and why they built it. Um, how much you know time they had to build it, right? Like I would, I would like to know the history behind that uh, experience because it came, it went, it was seen by no one, and that was Windows Mixed Reality overall. Um, I met with Alex Kipman, uh, the. The, the executive who kind of pushed Microsoft for years on their mixed reality efforts, uh, HoloLens 1, 2, and then all of this just disappeared, right? Mark Bolas um, was the professor at USC who was in charge of their mixed reality efforts over at USC. The, the Basically, the program manager in charge of uh, some of the early projects that became things like um, uh, Google Cardboard, as well as Palmer Luckey's project before uh, he went off and started Oculus and became uh, the Oculus Rift. Mark Bolas went and joined Microsoft, right? There was a buildup of this expertise to build this system at Microsoft for years to, to, to collectively pull this together. And I remember going and talking to Alex Kipman and ask him, what specifications are you going with for your headsets, right? What frame rate are you targeting? What resolution are you going for? Um, and it was just like, whatever whatever our, our manufacturing partners want, right? 
And you had these controllers that were announced after the headset themselves, I believe. They first announced the headsets, and then they showed off these these lighted controllers that could only be tracked by these two cameras that were pretty much standard for every headset, even though hypothetically they could add more cameras, right? Even though the manufacturers were allowed to pick whatever frame rate they wanted, whatever resolution they wanted, they all kind of had to follow this reference design of of two lenses or, or two cameras. And it was just, I I, I don't, it, it, it's, it's this Microsoft approach to a platform where you had a slew of partners, but none of them got out there with a great product and great games for that product. And the whole thing failed miserably, didn't it? Yeah, the controllers were bad. The controllers were one of the huge letdowns here. And it's such a big deal because people love their Oculus Touch controllers and people love their Valve Index controllers, right? Those, you know, Meta slash Facebook slash Oculus, whatever you want to call them, put a huge amount of effort into making those controllers ergonomic and great to feel in your hand. Valve put this huge amount of effort into adding unique features in the index, like strapping them to your hands and being able to let go and the finger detection and all of this. They, the People love to use those controllers. And Microsoft came along with what felt like they were made to be as cheap as possible and designed by a committee where they had the, th- the thumbsticks and, a, con- and uh, a touchpad, but not in the kind of elegant way that Index did it, more just like in a really clunky way. The the Odyssey came really close to being a great headset. Had Microsoft supported four cameras from the start, had there been these side cameras that were eventually supported with the Reverb G2? That, I love, I love it when David... I love it when David says things that you could put on a box of a dead product, right? Like, what was it you said on Odyssey? Odyssey came really close to being a great product. Yeah, yeah I love that. It's so close. It's so frustrating that had they just allowed four cameras from the start, had they just you know, put more effort into those controllers. And I think one of the huge problems with Windows Mixed Reality was the name. People were trying to buy you know a, a VR headset, get into VR virtual reality and microsoft came out here and said you know it's windows mixed reality and it's not mixed reality in the way that we talk about it today where you know you're in your real room and you have these virtual elements in it it's it's not these are vr headsets they did eventually add this spotlight feature where you could see a tiny circle of pass-through on your controller but that was just an irrelevant side feature that was nothing core to the platform had they just called this windows vr windows virtual reality or even they branded it on the game using their massive gaming brand that they own, Xbox VR. They could have had a lot more success. And that obviously opens up the next discussion, which is had these things worked with your PC and connected to your Xbox and had they brought in, you know, did, did exactly what Sony did and had a console VR platform alongside this, this could have been a massive success, you know, given no, a few how, hardware how does, tweaks. How do they come out with an Xbox, right? And say it's going to, do VR this 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 platform was it Scorpio what was it what was the name of that when it when it yeah when it was it Project Scorpio the Xbox One X and it was for one day one one whole day um, VR was going to be on the Xbox platform and then it got like erased from existence like Back to the Future and like how do you how do you get in front of the biggest platform like in gaming all those millions of gamers out there wanting to know what your system is going to offer and like you pick the wrong slide from the 
from the system that you didn't pick or like you, you, the, the wrong executive. H- how do you mix up that messaging? That's another one of those stories we're going to have to get to the bottom of. If you know uh, the behind the scenes on some of these things, we would love to hear from you. You've got multiple ways to get in contact with us. Um, I agree. That it's would be fascinating. a sad day. Yeah, another way they could have done this, let's say the Xbox thing couldn't happen. Another way they could have done this on PC is instead of, as you say, these five identical reference design based headsets from different manufacturers plus the Samsung one that uses OLED displays, so it's slightly different, they could have just gone with a first party Surface VR headset. You know, they have this Surface brand of hardware, they sell these Surface tablets, you know, they have Surface headphones. I think there's like Surface mice and keyboards now and, and all that jazz. They could have come out with a really well industrial designed, really refined Surface VR, you know, drop the mix rally nonsense, just Surface VR headset and push forward and then go on for the Surface 2. It just feels like such a muddled, bizarre and, and half-assed strategy from Microsoft. And yeah, it's very disappointing to sit here and think about what could have been had they taken this seriously. Well, yeah, that, it brings us back to, uh, I don't think we're going to... We've got Steam later in the show, but uh, let's at least just, you know, let's see what Valve does. Let's see what, what comes of, of Valve's uh, research labs as they, they build towards the future. Um, there is this class of, I don't know, PC-based Pfizer I'm really curious about. I'd like to see more, you know, what it, what does a Gen 2 big screen beyond look like? And what, uh, what does... What does that same system look like with the backing of a major manufacturer behind it? So there's still hope. Uh, I think, you know, if if somebody really decided to to go there, uh, but it's got to work with steam. Um, and otherwise, otherwise, there's really no no hope of, of doing anything in PC VR right now. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be Steam VR native. You know, it has to connect to this platform that has all the content. And as you say, there is a huge opportunity for what happens when you take something like Big Screen Beyond and add inside-out tracking, so it no longer needs those base stations. And you know, maybe you refine the audio, etc. There's huge, huge potential there, but not from Microsoft. It's what's very, very clear from the past few years is that Microsoft's new strategy for XR is to partner with Meta and provide software. You have the Xbox Cloud Gaming app for Quest, where they're you know streaming your traditional Xbox games on a 2D surface and floating in front of you. You have the Microsoft Office suite that just arrived as web apps. And then what should come this year, the big, the biggest part of that partnership of all is Windows 365, where you will be able to stream a full-fledged Windows 11 PC from the cloud in your Quest. And it looks like for Microsoft, that's going to be their big push in XR. And for, for Meta, it's their way to bring traditional 2D software that isn't just web apps onto the quest platform that's what we need to look for from microsoft in 2024 yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna remember and and call back the remember there were three doff windows mr headsets right you could you could how ridiculous i don't recall any of those Weren't there like what were their cheap? What was the cheap one that that david jagno went and bought and he just plugged in there were you could hypothetically hook up a windows like a mr headset one? that yeah something that's super yeah one one of those but you could hook it up to a pc those things existed didn't they i can't remember if that was windows mr i there was a a 
PC VR headset that was threed off, and I think it was sold by some Chinese company on at Walmart for something ridiculous. But I don't recall. I don't think that was Windows MR. I think it was just a Steam VR. All headset. right, all right. Well, it was it was crummy and it ran on Windows. That's that's what I remember, recall about that thing. So maybe it was Windows wasn't Windows MR. Well, uh, I guess you know. Goodbye, Windows. Thank you. I want to say thank you to David Heaney for his reporting on there. Uh, go read his article on this. Some exclusive reporting here, some hard work to uh, make sure over the holidays here that we have the definitive information about what's happening to Windows MR, uh, when to expect those updates to hit your headsets. And keep in mind, right, in full recognition that this is only a small percentage of the overall VR market that David Heaney is taking the time uh, to make sure we have the definitive information on. So uh, yeah, uh, show your love by liking, uh, sharing out the link to our show, and uh, also maybe becoming a member on uploadvr.com. Um, we're ready to talk about MetaQuest app becoming the number one free iPhone app on Christmas Day. This is a long time coming. What is, uh, what is the meaning of this? Yeah, it kind of speaks for itself. The Quest app was number one on free iPhone apps. If you opened the App Store on your iPhone on Christmas Day, and from screenshots that I've seen all the way through December 27th, and you looked at the top three apps, MetaQuest was number one. So that says a lot about how strong Quest seals were this Christmas season, because as everyone in our comments probably is aware, that app is required to set up a Quest. You cannot set up a Quest without that mobile app. So the, the needing to install that indicates that a huge number of people got a Quest for Christmas. The big question becomes, which Quest? Did they get the Quest 2 that was sold for $250? And as we'll talk about soon, it is going to stay at that $250 price. Or did they get the twice as expensive Quest 3? I suspect that the majority got Quest 2. I expect there were a lot of kids this Christmas that asked Santa Claus for a Oculus or a, a Quest or whatever they would call it and got the Quest 2 despite hoping for Quest 3. But, you know, if you didn't have VR before, if you're a kid, this is still going to be a fantastic thing to get. This is still, you know, a fully-fledged standalone headset that plays the, all the latest VR games that are on mobile, you know, with track controllers and positional tracking and all that and yeah it's still going to be great but the uh yeah geek golden in our comments the uh creator of virtual desktop is saying that it's been number one on christmas day for the last several years I, I checked last year and didn't see it but i did see it on christmas 2021 i think it i think it got to the top five on christmas 2022 but it looks like uh it's now kind of back up to number one for 2023. I may be wrong on that. That's just the data that I saw last year. Uh, but yeah, this is um, something that just shows you there are plenty of devices that require a smartphone app to set up. And of those devices, it looks like the, the Quest is selling the most. So we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Quest 3 on Steam soon and, and the Quest 2's price. Yeah, so I, I am... A I'm misremembering, so I went back and looked at my Alex Kipman interview, and his one, the one spec that they did agree on for the Windows MR platform was Sixdoff. So Sixdoff was a minimum uh, to sort of access games, but that wasn't true for input, right? Input went all over the board uh, initially, but headset 
had to be six off. But so it's Steam. There are some Steam headsets that are three off. Wouldn't that be true? Like there's some heads like PlayStation it interacts with Steam that way, right? Yeah, and there so are, there were plen- there were some Chinese manufacturers that made headsets like that, and you, you still you have had Chinese manufacturers today making six off headsets like the DP VR E4. There's nothing stopping anyone. It's Steam VR is not the kind of platform that Valve can tell manufacturers what to do. It's just a standard that they can they can build for. Yeah. So, and then uh, the opposite end of the spectrum here is the most used app on, like, free on the App Store is about as close to the marker of success as you can get as an app. Just in general, if if you hit the top of the App Store, you maybe get another round of funding for your startup, right? Uh, like that's what it means for for you if you're a small company. This is obviously not a small company. This is Meta the creator of many of the apps or the buyer of many of the apps that hit the top downloads. And this is, a, it's come close. It's been in these top uh, lists before, but I love your, your delineation of like how many Quest 2s versus Quest 3s is it going to be? That is a question I'm definitely going to want to put or, or see to from Andrew Bosworth as soon as possible. If he does one of his AMAs, that would be the question. Did you sell more? Or, of one headset or the other over Christmas. Um, we have... I Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Thomas Van Bal in our comments, the developer of Cubism, and they are saying that they have seen a two-to-one Quest 3 to Quest 2 growth. So they're seeing twice as many Quest 3s come into their app on this Christmas season. Uh, but they're noting that Cubism may be a special case because it's a mixed reality app where you can actually, you know, solve puzzles in mixed reality. And I was actually using uh, Cubism in mixed reality while I was traveling this holiday season. There were times where I was, you know, sitting there in a seat and just aware of the environment around me and just solving puzzles. So that's probably not a a case that applies to everything. But I've heard that from a few developers as well, that they were expecting a lot more uh, Quest 2s compared to Quest 3s, and what they actually saw was a lot of Quest 3s coming online. So maybe there are a higher proportion of Quest 3s that arrived in uh, under Christmas trees this year than some of us are thinking. Yeah, so, and I saw uh, Guy Godin mention that the Quest app has been high on the charts, or at least, or even number one on the charts in previous years. It seemed to us that the period of it being uh, up there was longer this time. Uh, yeah, and like I said, I'm pretty sure, while I'm, I'm certain it was on Christmas 2021, on Christmas Day it was there, I am pretty sure it didn't get to number one on Christmas Day 2022. But again, I may be slightly wrong there. I recall it only got to the top five. And <laughs> Annie... Anti-cleric saying, just in time to hear Heaney pretend Quest 3 outsold Quest well, 2. If you'd actually been here, you would have said that I saw the exact op- I said the exact opposite. I said that we suspect that the majority of these were Quest 2. So, yeah, if you perhaps if you All want right. to post our, our positions, you should accurately describe our positions rather than <gasps> caricaturing them. All right, we're starting 2024 but with a fight between Anti-cleric in our comments and David Heaney and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give round one to David Heaney. We will, I'll look for round two here. Uh, okay, he said, let's fight. All right. Uh, 
let's uh yeah and gee godin of course saying uh they don't collect uh user information that's uh he's told me that for years uh for virtual desktop that he doesn't collect user data which is uh both understandable uh as a developer and also right we could learn so much about uh what people are doing in those headsets from that it's it's think about meta and its data collecting apparatus in comparison to a choice like egoden is making uh it's worth uh taking stock of that from time to time um yeah it's interesting we were to talk about the next one like geese users than gee knows which is strange yeah right and uh two two months before two months before uh he is you know before meta launches their version of airlink right he gets the okay to put that feature into virtual desktop it's interesting how that works right david um okay so meta quest 3 is now used more on steam than the vive that's only a few months of counting and a very big marker to achieve. David, why don't you put some context to what it means uh, that the Quest 3 would already be here on the charts? Yeah, we've seen Quest 3 shoot up this ranking. If you're not familiar with this, this is the Steam hardware and software survey. Each month, it's sent out to a random sample of Steam's user base. If you accept, it uploads your PC specifications and peripherals, as well as any headset used on Steam VR in the past month. So... Last month, we saw Quest 3 get to the number five position, and now it's at the number four position. You know, it originally shot past headsets like Rift and Windows Mixed Reality, and now it's shot past the HTC Vive. If you look at its current trajectory, it's pretty clear that it's not going to be long until it's number three. But it's a big open question as to how long it will take, if ever, to get to number two or not. Or uh, I think it's unlikely that it will get to number one at all, especially given the rumored Quest 3 Lite. So yeah, we're seeing a a much bigger adoption of Quest 3 than Quest Pro, for example, which is at a measly 0.36%. It's also a much, much bigger adoption than of Pico 4, which is only a 2%. You know, we're only uh, a few months into Quest 3 and it's already up there at 7.74. We were talking about Windows Mixed Reality, which was all of those different headsets released over years from Asus and Acer and Dell and HP and Samsung and Lenovo. And all of them put together is less than how many people have used Quest 3 already. So clearly what we're seeing is Quest 3 is not selling as fast as Quest 2 did, which you know we've said on this show many times is what we expected even before Quest 3 launched. If you listen, you know we'll have said that because of that $500 price point. That's never going to happen in, in our opinion. But it is selling at a, a pretty decent rate given the price. And like I said, it looks like it's going to get to number three pretty soon. The, the looming question here in the long term is, of course, there is a rumored Quest 3 Lite rumored to launch sometime this year. And it it looks like from everything we know about what its pricing may be, I would expect it's going to get a lot higher on this chart than Quest 3. Looks like we've built up our audience. Thank you for everyone who's tuned in mid-show. We are building towards some of our biggest topics here. So thank you for tuning in. And uh, as always, yeah, please like and share out this link to get others in here. As we go over this chart, this is the best chart uh, for understanding the health of the market. David, uh, let's clarify for me. I, I saw Blair's comment here talking about the Vive. Um, 
five percent of the market here, five percent of the market between these two headsets that are are dead. Uh, Oculus Rift S is also sort of dead. Uh, Valve Index, you know, these are still active use, but like these three headsets are previous generation systems, and they're still occupying a pretty large segment of of what the PC user base is. Um, how do we know these headsets are actually being used to launch a game and not just plugged in to the headset, to, to the system each month? So how the Steam hardware survey has worked since March 2020, which is when we showed the data from in our articles, is that it checks which headsets have been used on Steam VR in the past month. So you would have to, from our understanding of the data collection method, at the very least have launched Steam VR with the headset connected for this to show up. So if you just have the headset plugged in, you're not actually using it, or if it's, you know, in a shelf somewhere, it's not being counted. But you know, I'm not surprised that people are still using these headsets. The the Vive was sold for most of its lifetime at, at $800. And yes, to us that are, you know, tech enthusiasts or VR enthusiasts, you know, to us that's outdated. To a lot of people, if you spent $800 on a, on a peripheral or device or console, whatever you want to call it, that's something you're going to want to keep using for years and years. So I'm seeing this comment from Geminosity, I think it is. Uh, yeah. Saying, interesting that the Quest 3 growth is very similar to the quest to drop so the percentages there is uh 2.55% of growth of quest 3 2.58% of shrinkage for a quest 2 geek odin um in our comments uh curious if that is there any chance that's a tracking uh like is there any relation to him in the way virtual desktop reports those two systems or is that going to be unrelated so Virtual Desktop started disentangling Quest 3 from Quest 2 at the start of November. So this is the data for December. So that would have been an issue in the October data, as we pointed out at the time when, when Quest 3 first arrived on here. It was a very tiny, tiny number all the way down here somewhere because that was an issue. But that was solved sometime in November. So this is the data for December. So that won't be an issue. What I think we're seeing here is a lot more obvious than that, I think. My gut instinct here is that this is people upgrading from Quest 2 to Quest 3. These are people who have waited after launch for a little while to either get it in the holiday period or you know just saved up money or just had to wait for reviews and see what kind of games came out. And they've just decided to upgrade. We saw this with... Uh, some of the earlier hardware, for example, when the Rift S started to release, uh, you know, it took a lot of its percentage straight out of the original Rift as people upgraded or some would argue side graded there. Yeah, Guy is adding the disclaimer that it should be accurate for November, yes, but remember that Quest 2 includes Pico 4, Pico Neo 3, XR Elite from HTC, and all other headsets supported by Virtual Desktop. Are we ready to move on to the next one? Because I think it's related here, right? If uh, yeah, Quest 2 here. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. I was just going to say that, you know, the Pico 4 statistic here is from Pico 4's built-in free uh, PC VR streaming functionality, uh, not from the paid version there. 
just before we move on, another comment asking from Nye, just has UEBR been talked about? As I've mentioned a few times now at the start of the show, no problem, of course, you, you probably didn't see the start of the show. Uh, we haven't had time to try that because he came out on New Year's Eve. We plan to cover it later this week and talk about it on next week's show. But yes, let's talk about that quest to, to price change. Although maybe we want to first just have a look at this chart. I know you like this chart from the article <laughs> that just shows you. But he won't make a Pac-Man. He won't. He refuses to make a Pac-Man yellow. He has refused to make a Pac-Man yellow for years now, even though like this is Facebook blue, which which thank you for making it Facebook blue, but they're no longer Facebook blue. The company's meta. This should look like a Pac-Man because it's going to eat the VR market. I know Chet, uh, former Valve, uh, Valve VR person who is instrumental in sending out Vive kits in the early days to some of the developers you know and love, helped spark their imaginations, build the VR market. He put out some end-of-the-year comments, and one of the comments that I think sparked a lot of people was uh, this idea that Facebook and the way Meta funds projects distorts the market for vr it distorts what's what's actually making money or what people like to do in vr um it's when you see this chart and you see the amount of market taken up by meta headsets 62 percent for those that are listening on our podcasts are taken up those are you know 62 percent of the headsets in use on uh steam are meta's headsets a bunch of those are for uh, headsets that Meta moved on from almost the day they shipped, right? They got out there into the market and then they weren't, weren't updated again. Some, some of this 60% is there. Then you've got headsets that are last generation running, last generation chip, taking a majority of the market right here. And we're talking about this sliver of a percentage is the actual headset that meta is selling new with its latest technology getting the latest software updates and is actually going to to take over this and it, what is that going to do over the next couple months we should see the pac-man close even bigger shouldn't we yeah i think that'll be very interesting to see how many of the pc vr users are upgrading and how many are new quest 3 users uh, this is more a question of PC VR's usage than the actual Quest, because remember, everything we've talked about here is only PC VR. The vast majority of Quest owners never use their headset with a gaming PC because they don't own a gaming PC, because the vast majority of people do not own a gaming PC. So this is only a very subsection of VR. If you were to create a chart like this for the actual market, if you were to have the figures, I suspect this would be much much larger and the all of these pc headsets would be just a kind of a small slice here compared to this massive standalone market and then kind of a segment for playstation vr2 yeah i so just this chart is amazing i don't know if i tried to get it across so quickly but just it's mind-boggling to me when you think of how much of this blue segment that's owned by meta 62 percent of the pc vr market and how much of it is on last generation hardware from them they've already moved on that's how much they've invested at a scale yeah. no one else except this arguably this red segment right the valve index is old headset now that's keeping the dream of pcvr alive i mean from from a pcr pers perspective the, the chip only makes a difference on things like uh the codec available and the bit rate available 
fundamentally the the difference that the chip makes is much more important on standalone than PC. So, you know, for a lot of people, for its price especially, Quest 2 is still a great PC headset. We talk about how great pancake lenses are, but only you know, Quest 3, Quest Pro, and Pico 4 have those type of next uh, second-gen pancake lenses and products. You talk about the Index, you talk about any of uh, HTC's uh, PC headsets, they're all using Fresnel lenses and they're all kind of still on that last thing. So any criticism you can make about Quest 2's lenses is apply to all of these other headsets as well. Yeah, but so yeah, let's, let's move on to the $250 price where uh, David and I started our 2024 year in heated debate. That's a wonderful, yeah, yeah. That's how I start my new year is in heated debate with David Heaney uh, in text form over how we frame the situation with the Quest 2. So let's let's have David take it away and then we'll, we'll, we'll dive into why I uh, decided to fight him on this. Yeah, this is a, a relatively simple story here. The $250 discount that Meta had announced as being for the rest of 2023 is now being extended permanently, presumably. And this is our speculation until Quest 2 is taken out of the market. The The official price for Quest 2 is now $250. And if you want a refurbished unit, it's actually even cheaper. It's $230. So that's you know a really low price for... Again, what we've described multiple times is a fully functional wireless standalone headset with room scale tracking and track controllers and the ability to act as a wireless PC headset with the free Steam Link app. This is, in theory, a good deal. But as we've pointed out many times over the past few months when Quest 2 has been discounted, we don't recommend buying this and we still don't because this uses the original XR2 Gen 1 chipset from 2020 and we have good reason to believe from sourcing that includes bloomberg the wall street journal and a chinese analyst who has been reliable in the past that meta plans to release a quest 3 light that is essentially a quest 2 but with the new xr2 gen 2 chipset from quest 3 and as we've talked about many times on this show that new chipset has a more than twice as powerful GPU and the difference in what developers can achieve if they have the time and resources to really build for that chip, as we've seen in certain titles like Red Matter 2, is dramatic. This can this is a truly generational increase in graphics power and we expect that while Quest 2 is going to be supported for a long time because of that large install base of north of 20 million people, it is still, there are going to be a lot of developers who put less and less focus over time on making games look and run great on Quest 2 when the hardware is just going to be more and more outdated over time. It's something you see a lot of the time when there is a cross-generational period of consoles. Games continue to be released for the old hardware because it has a massive install base, but they don't run well and they don't look good. And if you are someone who is about to jump on this deal, just keep in mind there could be a twice as powerful headset for the same price coming in just a few months. The the Ocean, is it Ocean Rift, the uh, great MR experience for the holiday season that people were talking about in our comments? Does that run on Quest 2? It does, yes. You can use that on Quest 2's pass-through, but you would have to manually mark out your walls. It's not going to use the automatic room scanning setup that Quest 3 has. Mm, and that is that is a significant lift like that is not 
that that's time that's a time suck i've done it multiple times and it's not fun right and who wants to really like do that when you've got five friends over all ready to go into vr you don't want to be marking out your room for 20 minutes at the start of your experience um the reason this became a subject of debate for us is whether this is a clearance sale or not we we were trying to decide whether to refer to this as a clearance sale because it clearly is a clearance sale, but Meta is not saying that. They have not used that word. Uh, they have not used that language. But by all indications, this is a clear the stock uh, store shelves of what remains before before bringing in the new stuff, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. From everything we know, from the, the multiple re- reliable sources about Quest 3 Lite's imminent arrival, this is a clearance seal. I do not recommend people buy this. I just don't. You, It would be very silly to buy the last-gen console just as a similarly priced new-gen one is about to arrive. This is one of those situations where... If Quest 3 is too expensive for you, we understand. That's not what we're saying here. We're not saying buy Quest 3. We're just saying that a, a Quest 3 Lite that has that same core chip is going to come along and make this thing look outdated very quickly. I suspect we'll also see some other nice-to-haves like the new ringless touch controllers and perhaps some sort of preliminary mixed reality capability as well. We, we have a comment here uh, from Lobo 16 who donates $5. Thank you. And they ask, do you think Valve's upcoming VR headset, Deckard, will be shown at CES 2024? No. <laughs> the short answer. Uh, but I do think this could finally be the year that we do hear about that. I just don't think CES is the kind of place that Valve would do that. Valve yeah. typically has their own events. Yeah, the, the anecdote I will add there is it has been a year since I was uh, there and I'm, uh, I have my flight. I'm going to go in there for 24 hours. And uh, then uh, basically fly back to New York, uh, try to see what I can uh, early next week, come into the studio, give everyone the download here of what I saw and what I was able to see before I had to get out. I might not get everything. I'll, I'll see what I can. Um, but I, I was at CES walking down the street uh, with, I think it was from someone from Alchemy. And we just happened to be walking by an engineer from Valve. And we both complimented the valve engineer on the valve index uh said it was we really enjoyed it and the valve uh engineer's comment off the cuff was yeah thank you it's getting pretty old isn't it um and i i love that comment uh that is that is more or less what i would expect uh the maximum amount of interaction between valve and cs would uh, Valve is a is a company that can control its own fate. It can invite journalists uh, at will to its offices when it wants. There is no reason for them to kind of co-op uh, the offices at at CS. If they really wanted to, they could. I guess they could get a lot of people in a suite, but I just don't see it. They've got a much much bigger audience uh, available to them if they just invite people to their offices. Um, yeah, and we're six months away from the five-year anniversary of Index. Crazy to say, but to to me, if I were Valve, that's probably where I would do it. You have, you have this headset that at five years old, you say, this five years was great. Here's what's next. At very least, a teaser. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just continue to to say that it would be amazing if the Steam Deck was tracked out of the box, right? If you 
could hold that object in your hands and and see it, uh, see the full resolution screen uh, mirrored. I would love that. Um, and I'd love to use my gamepad on the Steam Deck uh, in various ways. That would be interesting, uh, using it as a controller and then having its screen projected out. But you wouldn't even need to track it if you did mixed reality. But you're right, you could have a virtual reality environment where it was was tracked. That would be fascinating. And, you, and, you, and you've got the then you've got the DS, right? You've got you've, you could have the whole nice touch screen in, available in front of you for doing things uh, up on this big screen. Um, you have a completely different interface down there. All right, you're ready to talk about Meta's. Uh, Next feature, you want to comment, you want to respond to? Just a few small things on Quest 3 Lite that we keep alluding to here. Uh, Chatty is asking, will Quest 3 Lite include controllers? And, you know, this has been one of those things that there's been a lot of conflicting reporting on. There's been, you know, a meta code meta is considering. Personally, I'm going to go out on a, a limb here and just put in my bet. I think this thing will include controllers. I don't think... Meta is anywhere near ready to ship a headset without them. The vast majority of the Quest store requires them, and they would need a headset that is higher end than Quest 3 to, to make that a great experience, not lower end. And just for the sake of it, here is the, the highly speculative render by XR Carlos of what this might look like. And let's be crystal clear, highly speculative. It's just you take the Quest 3 design language and you, you put the thickness and sensors of the Quest 2. Yeah, uh, there's a good comment here, Jack B, talking about the index. Could it be the service-like king of VR headsets? Five years is a monster benchmark for longevity? I can't say that word. Um, Yeah, so I love that comment about the index and its its place in the market. Um, I've got Twitter exchanges with Anton Hand. Uh, basically laughing at me in public on Twitter, suggesting that Valve should, me suggesting that Valve should drop the price of the index to get more people into VR. And they've held steady, not a single sale for uh, five years. Uh, did, did they actually put it on sale briefly? They've only done Alex on sale, right? I don't recall any index sale at any time ever. Yeah. So I, I, been, I believe half. There was a refurb unit available from, I think it was Walmart, but. That was a refurbished unit, not the actual new unit. Yeah, and so to that point on Jack's comment there, right? You've got you've got some early efforts from Valve and Hard, right? You had the partnerships they did for the P, the Steam machines. They had their own controller that they supported for a very, very, very long time, even if it wasn't widely used. Uh, they do have a, a, a track record there of supporting that piece of hardware for a very long time. Then they've got the Steam Link app, which subsumed a piece of hardware that they did, right? They replaced a piece of hardware with a piece of software. Um, and then you've got the Steam Deck and you've got the Index, and they are building a track record here of supporting these products. I do think Steam Deck could be supported for years and years and years in the same way the Index is getting support. And relative to what meta is doing with the quest ecosystem kind of making you feel outdated the moment you get the headset um that's a lot of love that's a lot of love to tap into the moment they announce something new yeah for sure there is a a very long support record there uh the caveat is that for the first while you couldn't get a replacement cable and people are having there's a lot of owners i've heard from that have had huge struggles with the controllers and reliability right. and having to get repairs that essentially means spending the full 300 dollars again but when it comes to just the sheer length of time that the index is supported it is remarkable compared to any other vr product 
All right, so I got to talk about Blair's comment here that uh, Index is 90% devs and 10% rich VR chat strippers. I just, I, that's funny comment out there. But I, I got to, I got to, I don't go into VR chat a lot. We've got people in our comments talking about whether you go into VR chat a lot. I think it's a funny, funny thing to think about whether, like, what is the typical VR chat experience? Do people spend a lot of their VR chat experience just discussing their tracking setup? I imagine it is the same as like going out to the bar and discussing what you're drinking and why you're drinking that particular alcohol. I imagine you go into VR chat and you just spend the whole time talking about your tracking setup. But I haven't experienced it myself. Maybe I'm maybe I'm imagining things. Let me know if that's in my experience. People talk about everything and anything in VR chat. It's from personal, deeply personal issues. The thing I find most interesting about VR chat is how many people there are are drinking while they're playing. There's a lot of people that are drinking alcohol while they're playing, which is something I would not have. Yeah, no, I got that too. It definitely feels like the 21st century bar crawl. Uh, That's the, in talking with people who are VR chat uh, enthusiasts, it's, it's the ability to go in and uh, get drunk and not drive after. Um, is is actually an allure for a certain segment of people using VR chat. All right, let's yeah. talk about Meta comments. temporarily removing this feature. Yeah, just a few comments first. So Onakazi pointing out it was GameStop that was selling the refurbished index. Onakazi is also saying that while the hardware support was uh, for a very long time for index, uh, if you compare it to the software update support for something like Quest 2, it's nowhere near. The index feature set has remained pretty much flat there was a room view 3d update that gave you the depth correct pass through other than that there hasn't been any you know index never got hand tracking it never got kind of any other computer vision capabilities there was never anything else added but some people would say that that's not a problem that you know they weren't looking for that but uh yeah that does have to be pointed out and just before we move on to our topic i'm going to say uh for the uh, think fifth time and, and this isn't rude I'm, I'm obviously you weren't here at the start but waifu enjoyer is asking why we aren't covering uevr so i'm just going to say this again i'm really sorry to people that have heard me say this multiple times but uevr was released on new year's eve we are still at a skeleton crew at upload vr we are just about getting to cover the news that has dropped in the past few weeks we haven't got a chance to try uevr we plan to cover it later this week and we will talk about it lots in the next episode of this show on tuesday Blair, Blair, uh, anti-cleric there. Lonely alcoholic furries talking about their deep personal issues. Sounds like a blast. That's that's a description of VR chat in our comments. Uh, let's move on to... Are there more comments? There's more comments. That was... A, that was, a, that was how, how can we have another comment after that one? It's not... It's uh, just a response to that. You can't grind VR chat down to a specific thing. It's just like asking what do people do on Twitter or what do people do in bars? There is a huge diversity of human experience on VR chat. People do remarkable things there, you know, from, from dance classes to yes, drunk therapy to, to learning sign languages, you say to comedy clubs, to movie nights. There are so many things that happen in, in VR chat. And it's one of those platforms that from my experience, um, it's just what you make of it. And, but yes, the, the, the huge issue with a lot of these social platforms is what is the default experience? If you, if you don't know where to go, what happens when you load in? And unfortunately for a lot of people in VR chat, it's, uh, you see, uh, you know, weird furries and, and things like that. And I think they could do a better job of giving people the ability to find the kind of experience they're looking for and not do this kind of 
audience capture thing where they just double down on what the, the core enthusiasts of the app really want. Yeah, a lot of people responding to the it's what to make of it. I'm going to call out uh, Namu Anki. I was just looking up the spelling of that. N-A-M, uh, check. N-A-M-U-A-N-K-I. That's from Kevin Mack. Uh, very artistic world. If you're looking for a place to relax, take a deep breath, be alone with your thoughts, that world you just explore. It's like an ocean scene. There's a uh, sky whale that floats overhead and calmly blares at you in the distance. Uh, that's uh, one of the worlds I've I've we focused on here uh, at Upload VR. We try to put a spotlight on that world. Uh, cool thing to experience. Yeah, it's it is what you make of it. Um, but to Blair's point, what is what is the who's keeping VR chat open these days, and what are they what are they using it for? Um, let's talk about Meta removing this TV casting feature temporarily. Uh, what does temporarily there mean? Yeah, this is a bizarre one. So anyone who owns a Quest will know that you can cast to a Google Cast-supported device. So that's TVs with Chromecast built in, Android TV boxes, Google TV sticks, Chromecast sticks. And, you know, that's as far as I'm aware, the last figure I saw is north of a billion TV devices that were castable from uh, Quest headsets. But people started noticing in the past few weeks that those devices weren't showing up in the cast list for certain Quest owners. And it turns out that this is actually intentional. Meta have removed this feature. And so the VP of VR, Mark Rabkin at Meta, said this on X. We really wanted to work with 100% reliability, but it was not officially supported by Google. We're working on that too. In meantime, improving our infrastructure and narrowing down to the options where we can guarantee stability, investing a lot here. So that's a confirmation that this was removed on purpose. It looks like the reason behind that is that the implementation that they had here was hacked together and wasn't officially supported by Google, but that Meta is working on that. Presumably that means with Google. And in the meantime, they're just going to kind of give you the ability to cast to the devices that are also supported, which is the MetaQuest app on your phone or tablet and a PC via oculus.com slash casting the web browser URL. So theoretically, you can still cast your TV indirectly. You can airplay your iPhone or you can mirror cast your PC or any of these methods. You, you could theoretically just plug a HDMI cable from one of these devices into your TV, but that is a lot of friction being added to what was one of Quest's best features. And I think this is a huge, huge loss for the Quest platform. That's an awful shame. I kind of get the technical reason. Personally, though, I would prefer a slightly buggy, slightly unstable casting to none at all. It's ah, that's that's interesting. I would prefer buggy casting on and all. I don't I don't know if I would I don't know if I would agree with that. Like the phone casting is necessary. TV casting is a nice to have. Um, and I I desperately want it. I want it to work without any hitches whatsoever. Um, the idea that Meta's has always been buggy. Uh, I very rarely had a great experience casting to the TV. Um, it's the thing that 
is a bummer is they've also added a number of camera and capture features in various ways over the years. And it's not clear how many, if any of those really made it into widespread use, like what live real time mixed reality on your phone with, with capture on your phone was something Meta seemed to allude to or suggest they, that was at least achievable. Um, and I think that's kind of just disappeared off the off the slate. Uh, am I wrong on that? Yeah, they did have some of these features, and it looks like we've seen multiple times where Meta builds something out and then drops it, and then six months or two years later re-adds it again. We saw this, for example, with Facebook live streaming. You could live stream to to Facebook at the start of Quest, then they took it out, and then it came back, and and it actually works properly now and has things like comments. Um, it's the the MetaQuest app is still frankly pretty terrible. I, I use an Android phone, a, a Google Pixel, so maybe it's better on iPhone. But for me, the, the Quest app is is so slow and sluggish, and it's designed around to be store centric rather than library and device centric. I I would love to see, and I hope what they're doing is just completely rebuilding that app because it's amazing how snappy and and fast and well designed something like instagram or whatsapp is from the same company and then you pull up uh the metaquest app and it looks like it was a you know made by a, a small uh startup that's not very serious about what they're doing and just had to make an app for their device or something it's really bizarre so uh, yeah maybe that's part of this maybe building a better casting infrastructure is part of building a better app but we'll we'll see yeah, I'm curious in our comments, the people uh, agreeing with David here that they uh, maybe the experience is different uh, Android to iOS. Yeah, I do use iOS. I'd be curious the people who say that it's it works better on TV than their phone, whether that's an Android issue, because I, I do have pretty good quality on on streaming to the uh, phone. Um, but uh, I'm seeing that that's that's not Everyone like everyone has various experiences. Guy Godin saying it's hot garbage. Uh, Blair agreeing with you, David. Um, people saying the Quest app is a mess. Yeah, and it getting rebuilt from the ground up makes a lot of sense. Uh, overall, it's not the first time. You know, Meta does those rebuild from the ground ups all the time. It's I don't know. Uh, one of the the edicts. It's tough to think about what edicts you give that team who's rebuilding it, right? Uh, they could just debut it one day and they're like, oh, let's promote all the Horizon worlds up front and let's actually demote the Quest paid apps to second tier status. Now, they've made no indication they're going to do that. They've pushed back on us when we've made those indications that like, we've, we've asked those questions of, are you going to care about both these audiences equally? But like that's the type of thing that happens. Meta goes back to the drawing board and says, "Oh, well, priority one is actually this. Priority two is this." And uh, very rarely is like usability of the hardware <laughs> the very first priority. The very first priority is usually let's get people to use this more. Yeah, and the first priority seems to be jam the, the store and the purchasing experience down your throat, and it's just not. You know, look at what people are opening the app for a lot of the time. It's to do these things like casting. It's to do things like check their headsets, battery percentage, and check for updates. The updates on the Quest app for Android, at least, have been broken for years now. You open it up and it says, you know, these updates are available for each of your apps. 
there is no button to actually start the update on your headset and it's wrong it's it uses like an old seemingly cached list of apps because you put on your headset and those apps already were updated hours and hours ago it's it's as if they either don't use this app they don't care about it at all or the optimistic view is as we keep saying that they're they're completely rebuilding it in the background and every time that they do open it today they go oh god i can't wait to launch this remade version of this app because this one is so terrible if they're not remaking this app what are they doing with the thousands of people that they have working on VR? You have to wonder that sometimes because this isn't some small startup with with cash. They have essentially unlimited budgets. They have thousands of some of the top software engineers in the world. Have you seen some of the you know the levels of of interview and and kind of uh, application systems that you have to do to get into a company like Meta? What are these people doing if they can't build an app? Look at what they did with Threads. They built an app in like six months that works great. They've added features really quickly. You can you have a search that works now. You have all of these. You have polls. You have all of these features, and yet. Do, is the C team the one that work on the Quest app? Do the do they not let any of the good people work on it? Like what what's happening here? <laughs> oh my God! Just just dropping dropping fire on the entire industry right at the gate in 2024. Thank you so much. All right, so I was going to defend Meta here before he went off on there and just say, um, it's for all of our complaining for all of, all of this like everything he's saying, being how it feels and spot on. Meta is still the one at the top of the Steam chart that we showed earlier in the thing. They're driving the sales. They're bringing the people into VR in very large numbers. There's very large numbers of people encountering these issues with your app every single day. And the the one I keep thinking about, David, is the that they my um, what I would expect them to do with the app is they would make it the portal to Horizon Worlds. You, you would you would merge the the entire horizon platform with what you're doing with that app. And that sounds both stupid and exactly like what they would do. Right. You, I, I need an app to manage my freaking hardware. I need to, I need to, to cast, I need to launch apps. I saw in our comments, them asking to be able to delete apps and install them from the phone app. Wow. That's such a mind bending idea. Why didn't your engineer build that four years ago, right? Like, it's stupid that your engineer at Meta didn't do it. And that's, you know, in credit to everything David is is saying, right? Like, that's that's low-hanging fruit. But at the end of the day, Meta has these these other priorities, like, we've got to not lose to Rec Room. We've got to not lose to VR Chat. And do, do those priorities take precedence over over other things like yeah i've i've installed horizon worlds as a web app and eh okay right like whatever i've got your web app installed on my thing i deleted it it's it's not going to change the needle are they going to jam it down our throats and, and and make it into the app in order to like force feed us this are they going to force feed us horizon to that level or are they going to rebuild it around a usable experience first? Like, I, I don't know. Like the advantage, everything I just described, right? If they build Horizon as the basis of the whole home app, right? You could have some control over like from the phone, having it be co-located with your experience, hypothetically. Like you could, you could do a bunch of stuff from your phone while inside the app. That would be cool, but I don't know. It's just... Uh, it's, 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 I'm trying to there, give there credit some where it's like due in, in, to a place that probably doesn't deserve it. 
Yeah, there is integration like that in the Android app. They do have Horizon integration. You can launch Horizon Worlds. You can you can actually play it on your phone in in the Quest app. The reason you can't do it on Android is because of Apple's policies. But yeah, it just does seem to be focused on, on the complete uh, wrong thing there. And, and Geminosity's point out in the comments to some of your ideas, you're getting overly ambitious there. We need to start with an app that that works first. And yep. yeah, it's just. Just the thing that just shocks me is how is the search so slow? Like you, oh, you search for something on Instagram or Facebook or Threads, and it's just boom, instant, you know. And you search for that's what searching billions of pieces of content, and this is searching like two thousand store apps, and it's like what, what is happening oh. here? I would love to know the story. If anyone does know the story behind the scenes, please come into our DMs and tell us. We would love to share with the world uh, what's going on here and maybe shine a light on on what's happening. Oh, it's, with priorities. It, What's going to be fun? So, like, I think of this a little bit with regard to Pico, um, and I've I've noticed this in startups. Um, I'm I'm I guess an example of one with Upload VR. But there are there are classes of people who work at companies, right? Like they they started on this date, they ended on this date, and they were in charge of version two of a feature that ended up shipping at version five. And they never saw versions three and four and are commenting about everything that happened afterward. I've seen Andrew Bosworth and others at Meta fighty in the comments of various people who have like claimed some level of knowledge about the past history. There is a pattern here of like people toiling away at projects here for years at companies like Meta and Google and the and the project just floats away into the ether. They've got nothing for their portfolio. They've got nothing to show for years of effort. And like, I can't imagine you, you, you got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to do almost literally nothing, right? Like I, I hate saying almost literally, but like how else do you describe toiling away at something that disappeared that way? Um, and that's the story of a lot of these people. So yes, we want to hear about, those classes, like what year did you start? What year did you finish? What became of your project after you were gone? Those things don't get out. And it's like, we, we need those stories to get out. We need to hear why these things went haywire and why they went so wrong for so many years. Let's let's get to our last project here, or last, last story here as soon as we can. Yeah, let's talk about that last story, which is, which is a huge one that uh, we reported on in late December there. It comes from an interview. Uh, between The Verge's Alex Heath, the journalist Alex Heath, and Andrew Bosworth, the CTO of Meta. And in it, he alludes to the idea that Meta may finally demo true AR glasses this year, 2024. And so... As, as we've alluded to a few times uh, in this show so far, as, as we've said many, many times on this show, when people talk about the the billions, the tens of billions that Meta is spending on its Reality Labs AR VR division, there's a lot of popular perception that this is all going into Horizon or it's all going into even Quest. But in reality, more than half of that funding, more than 50% is going into the research and development of AR glasses. And this is a project that Meta has been working on for at least eight years now. Reportedly, Mark Zuckerberg hopes that it will one day deliver him an iPhone moment where they they deliver this new category of tech device that is just radically useful and new and causes this entire explosion of, you know, 
uh, applications and, and use cases that bring us into a new paradigm of computing. But that moment and that kind of level of success is a long, long way off because what is reportedly going to be shown this year is a prototype that is so expensive and difficult to build that it can't actually be sold as a product anytime soon, perhaps not even this decade. And so these glasses are codenamed Orion reportedly. And from uh, Heath's reporting last year, they are only Meta is only going to make reportedly around 1,000 of these things because that's all they can make. Because reportedly, this thing uses micro LED displays uh, and there is no mass production pipeline for affordable mass production of micro LED displays today, nor does any company have a near-term roadmap to actually mm -hmm. definitely do that. And also silicon carbide waveguides, which is how this Orion prototype reportedly achieves a field of view of 70 degrees diagonal. And so Bosworth in this interview describes this as a prohibitively expensive device and, and alludes to it not being able to be mass produced. But the hint here that I'm getting is that this is going to be sent to some developers. It's going to be shown potentially to journalists and influencers, potentially, hopefully, speculatively, Ian and I may get to try it at, say, MetaConnect later this mm -hmm. year. And that's complete speculation, to be clear. But here's what I get to talk about said. the Ray-Bans now. David David just opened <laughs> that uh, Pandora's box. So, uh... yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, but reportedly this is going to be a separate product line from the Ray-Bans, to be clear. But listen to this crazy quote of what Bosworth says about this prototype, remembering that this is not a product, this is a prototype. It's probably our most exciting prototype that we've had to date. I might get myself in trouble for saying this. I think it might be the most advanced piece of technology on the planet in its domain. In the domain of consumer electronics, it might be the most advanced thing that we've ever produced as a species. So a device eight years in the making, tens of billions of dollars of research and development, so expensive and difficult to build that it can't be mass produced. And reportedly from uh, the information's Wayne Ma, another journalist who has reported on a lot of Meta's plans in the past and been accurate, what Meta plans to actually release as a product when it comes to AR glasses is a different device that will reportedly currently is being aimed for 2027 and it will have downgraded specs compared to this Orion prototype. The product will reportedly use LCOS displays of the same kind you would see in uh, movie projectors or in products like Magic Leap and HoloLens 2 and glass waveguides which are a lot easier to procure and develop and so it will reportedly only have a field of view of around 50 degrees diagonal, which is similar to some of the AR products today, like Enreal and HoloLens 2, but Meta will reportedly get it into glasses-like form factor. So it's a really interesting play here for Meta to show off this year reportedly a device that is so advanced that it just cannot be made to a product anytime soon and then reportedly three years later come along with a downgraded version that can actually be sold all right so yeah i've been using the ray-ban glasses i went and bought a prescription pair over the christmas break uh spending more on the ray-ban glasses uh than on a quest three 
uh, for prescription transition lenses, went down to the Ray-Ban store. They told me that uh, the transition lenses were sold out through the rest of the year. So everyone was apparently picking the transition lenses uh, at the store. Um, I went into the menu system of the app, right? There's a separate meta view app for managing the content of these glasses and uh, the capture videos one minute at a time. Really, really great audio uh, captured from the microphones. And uh, you go into the app and there's a button. So I, I requested access from Meta to their AI uh, assistant program. And you go into the Meta app and there's an early access features segment. And it says, build smart glasses features with us uh, in this section of the app. You go down to the bottom of this section and there's a button to click with the terms that Meta has. Included in those terms is a dis non-disclosure, a, a privacy agreement to develop these features in association with Meta. Like it, the whole thing reads very uh, restrictive of what you can share about your experience testing out Meta's AI features on these glasses. And I haven't touched it. Uh, I've emailed Meta about it uh, yesterday. I uh, got a response in my inbox today on that to try to understand exactly what what is, if I click agree on early access features, am I, I'm building Meta's features with them? I'm, I'm building Meta's features for them. And what exactly am I free to say about what their AI says to me on their glasses about what I see? So it's, it's bothersome. It was a bothersome thing to find in the, in the, the terms that there's this non-disclosure agreement, a privacy agreement buried in the terms. I'm trying to sort that out. Uh, I noticed there's other outlets, other journalism outlets that have uh, reported about what's happening in the glasses, like how they work. But I'm not going to go in and dive in with their latest feature on these glasses until I know that I'm free to say whatever the hell I want on this show about how they work or what their AI told me um, and exactly how I can test it. So I've got two pairs of meta glasses that I'm getting access to the AI feature, but I need to find out uh, what this this restriction is. And uh, that brings me to this this cutting edge thing here where meta is trying to build a product category for itself around these smart glasses and in some ways it is more interesting than the quest uh platform and i i, I say that as a photographer as someone who's loved photography since i was a teenager um the way these systems capture photos is very different than the way your phone captures photos and videos. And Meta is going after a very core use case in its mind of what these glasses will do about two generations out. And it's going to be directly related to what you do with true AR glasses. So Meta has to, on these current generation glasses, have you be able to look at what you see and say, hey, Meta, what do you see right now? Or, hey, Meta, look at this and what do you see? And have it analyze and build use, like actually provide you useful contextual information about your surroundings. That's the idea. That's what this latest feature is for. Um, 
and it's to power the glasses and the investment that you're talking about two hours, two, three, four, five years out. They have to have you who is buying the Ray-Ban glasses today going out and collecting imagery that they're going to process in every way, shape, and form to make these things uh, less expensive, more power efficient over time. Um, I don't know if I use the word process there correctly, um, but like I, this is a very, very tricky area. And David Heaney and I have been discussing this actively. If you can become a member and support UploadVR.com, it will enable us to do more of the important work we need to be doing here. But we need to be going into the privacy policies that Meta rolled out late last year and the ones that they had in the years prior to that. And the privacy policies related to the terms of use related specifically to this subject matter. But like it is... It is really weird to be going into the menu system of a second meta app. We just spent a whole bunch of time complaining about a first meta app, going to a second meta app and hitting this thing where it's like, I'm actually doing labor for meta in building this feature for them. And it's even in their terms that I can't necessarily talk about it publicly. And that's just like, that's the kind of relationship they're going to have with their customers too. You can test out their newest features, but you can't talk about them publicly. That's doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, this is transformed for sure. And just on a side note, obviously we're we're quite off topic here, but the the MetaView app seems to be a lot better designed than the Quest app. The MetaView app works really well. No complaints there. Obviously, the the either the A team or the B team on that one rather than the the C or D team. To go back to our joke from earlier, so. I've seen people say they took out New Year's New Year's videos. Go so go find my Threads account, HMLTN on Threads. Uh, I just posted a video of New Year's Day. I'm gonna yeah, we're off topic. I got to do it though. I go out there uh, uh, to Rockefeller Center on New Year's Day here in New York. I put on the Ray Ban transitions glasses to capture a minute. I walk out with my kids uh, out onto the rink at Rockefeller Center to ice skate with them for the first time. And Natalie Portman is on the rink right in front of me. And I instantly go from just capturing a cool memory to feeling like a paparazzi because I've got the flashing light on my glasses. And I feel, I suddenly feel like I'm like, I, I don't want to be filming Natalie Portman at the rink on New Year's Day. It's pretty cool. I'm just trying to record a cool moment here. But like these, these camera glasses are. I'm recording the faces of everyone who is there. I've recorded the faces of every single person who is going up and down those streets. I have no need to have those recordings in my camera library. I, I, I'm not. What gets me about the glasses, I'm capturing memories, I'm capturing my experience, but they don't necessarily need to be shared in the same way. I'm capturing media for a different type of social network than we than exists today. I shared this video uh, on my threads just because I needed to share it because it was so weird. Here's a moment where I'm just capturing a cool memory. This is this really neat moment in a cool space. I uh, used it all over New York in various ways. But like I'm I notice from time to time the glasses and its little light gets noticed by people. And they're uncomfortable. It's weird. It weirds people out to realize, wait, those glasses are actually filming me. 
it's not a comfortable feeling. And this is a, a prime example of it. How many people there had their phone on and were recording ice skating with their phone? Well, that's the thing. It's you're, you're right. But there, it's a different act. You're, you're, you're taking the phone out and you're posing yourself. There was a whole moment in the middle of, of this time where they had everyone leave the rink. And then there was a proposal and a five minute session in the middle of the rink where they, it was a five, someone paid an extraordinary amount of money to propose to someone else in the middle of this rink. And the whole thing is recorded on a cell phone photo, but it was an obvious act, right? There's a person taking the phone out and acting. This is much more paparazzi. Like, uh, it's, it's jarring to not realize suddenly, oh, you're actually recording me right now. That's, it's a public space. I have every right to do it, but it's also awkward. And Meta is, is like testing this out in real time. They're, everyone that bought them on New Year's Day, a lot of people got them, uh, are going to be testing out on large scale, letting everyone know you're actually getting recorded almost all the time. Here's, I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to cover this. There's this term that's that's made uh, made it pretty commonly known: surveillance uh, capitalism, right? This feels like a surveillance society, right? People have them on their cars. People have them uh, for for sports, but it's different when you are walking around twenty four seven with egocentric cameras ready to record everything. Every nasty interaction you ever have with somebody, you could, if you choose to escalate it with a camera involved now on your person. Um, it's, yeah, people do that it's with It's just a phone, different though. thing. You see that on social media every day. So all, all I'm saying is like, David, you're not wrong that everyone is out there doing the same things with their cell phones and their cameras. What I'm saying is we are definitely five to 10 years away from everyone doing that with their glasses. And it's, it's just a fact. It's it's so much better. It's a better way of taking photos and it gets out of the way. But like we are this is going to come. These glasses are going to come. They're going to be killer. And a killer feature is going to be this camera. And it's so weird. Yeah, for, for sure. That those are there are definite privacy concerns, but it'll be interesting to see as as these glasses are adopted more widely, how much that becomes normalized versus phones for sure. But just to bring us back on topic, and not that, that was not an interesting discussion, but there's been some confusion in the comments earlier about, you know, are these glasses like the Nreal glasses or, or what are these? To, to be clear, there there are two distinct type of glasses that we'll talk about on this show on, on UploadVR.com. And there's the smart glasses <laughs> that we have today that Ian's referring to that, you know, are like these meta Ray-Ban glasses that let you do things like take phone calls and play music and take videos and photos and, and now these AI features like talk to the meta AI assistant and ask it what it's seeing in the environment. And then there's what we're talking about in, in this story where, where meta is developing this completely new type of, of glasses that, that are called full AR or true AR glasses. And the difference there compared to something even with a display like the X-Real glasses that mirror your phone or your tablet or your Nintendo Switch onto a, a fixed screen on your head is that these true AR glasses have an understanding of your environment in real time and they can position virtual objects in the scene, much like what you see with mixed reality on Quest. From a technical perspective, there's not a huge difference between what what is called mixed reality on headsets today, like like Quest and others, and 
what the augmented reality that you would see in glasses like these is. The only difference really is that instead of having this kind of full control over, over pixels all the way to opaque, uh, on these AR displays, you typically can only uh, have an additive display system where you're adding pixels on top, but you, you know there's there's no such thing as like a black pixel. You can add colors or you can add pure white and you use red, green, and blue to get everything in between. But these are mainly just adding digital objects. And these could have you know a hugely uh, interesting use cases beyond just the kind of mixed reality like you see in this image where you have like a, a board game like chess or demio on a table in your room. Because with glasses form factor, you can use these uh, socially acceptably in public. You could have use cases like any sign you look at, the text is changed from whatever language it's in to your native language. You could have uh, outdoor personal navigation where instead of having to walk around a new city looking awkwardly down in your phone and figuring out uh, which street is that and wh which crossing do I have to go across, you see giant blue arrows floating in the, sky, in the air pointing you towards your destination. And these are only some of the most obvious use cases but uh the the thing here that has to be really kept in mind is that this technology is going to start very expensive and very limited and it's not likely until in the 2030s that this starts to be something that gets to mass appeal because the field of view is going to be narrow at the start uh this is going to be something that has very limited processing power the battery life is going to be limited and from what we know all of that's going to be done on a wired puck that is in uh, sorry a wireless puck that is in your pocket rather than having the compute on board and so we have another comment here someone saying google glass had that years ago um referring to navigation so google glass is a hud you see a fixed small tiny screen in front of you like in a, in a video game but even a smaller area of your view and that's what we expect to actually appear on the meta ray-ban glasses in the next generation in 2025 according to reports uh, so you'll get a hud that gives you some contextual information such as your notifications but with these true ar glasses these these objects are going to exist in real space it will not be a small hud it will be you look down the street and see the arrow floating fixed in the air, regardless of where you move your head. Um, and that's a very, very big difference when it comes to usability and the kind of use cases that are possible. For example, uh, in this, you could have a virtual pet that follows you around and you look down and they're, and they're there throughout the day. Um, there are numerous, numerous use cases you can think of here, including you know large-scale multiplayer games in parks where people have glasses on and they're interacting in the same space. Uh, the use cases of this are endless, but the technology behind it is going to take a long, long time to be ready. Very interesting commentary uh, going on with our chat. Uh, thank you so much for the thoughtful comments. A lot of debate, a lot of interesting thought about uh, the difference between legality right now and moral uh, sort of social acceptance. Uh, this has been the case going back to Google Glass being uh, awkward in every scenario, right? to now these are uh, features that are being tacked onto stylish Ray-Ban glasses uh, ahead of a device that stands on its own and, and does other things. Um, <laughs> Blair uh, saying that you can get the same experience out of these glasses uh, with a uh, $5 hit of LSD. I, I want to mention um, my more, I think it was, short film from the, uh, what, a 24? 
five years ago now, short film where you put on these glasses and see the world you want to see uh, and slowly takes the uh, the fire from your belly as you go and do that. Um, that's, I mean, that's a, the, the LSD thing. That's a comment you often see on Facebook comments about virtual reality. Why do I need a VR headset? I can do the same thing with the I know. Of LSD. And the irony is, uh, that ultimately, that that could actually be a bad interaction, right? Like the the bad, the fakeness of the virtual reality experience might be enhanced by uh, the substances. So, like, we can't. I'm not going to recommend anyone do that. That's not a good idea. People do it as a joke, uh, jokingly say. I will. <laughs> I will. However, uh, we were mentioning Namuanki, right? Uh, go find our previous show where we've discussed that. Find our uh, website where we've discussed uh, that. Even the video on our channel where I've done a tour with the the guy who, who did that. There are some similarities between uh, between VR and those things. I just don't think it's a good idea to combine them necessarily. I want to talk about the, the, the path from these glasses we have today, the second generation Ray-Ban Meta glasses to full AR, right? If you have, right now, the biggest thing holding these glasses back is going to be the latency from asking a question to getting an answer to it. If you're going to ask these glasses to look at your scene and tell, tell you what to do with it, if it takes you five seconds, three seconds, one second, or half a second to get your answer response from the AI, it's going to dramatically alter what you're going to do with the device. Um, right now, I've asked, I've asked the, the meta glasses some questions. It takes a very long time, long enough that you think it didn't hear you at all uh, in some cases. In the next generation or two, if they shorten that time and this thing starts answering your questions robustly, that's that's a big market in and of itself before there's even a display on the thing. Then you could put a display on the thing and have live translation read out to you instead of having to just be read back to you. You can get live translation uh, from spoken voice, again, with low latency. These are cornerstone features of future outdoor all-day glasses. You don't even need necessarily other things if you have these things locked down. And that's what Meta's building right now with these first few generations. Then we start talking about what David is getting to, the LSD, alter what you see glasses. But I'm just, I'm not necessarily convinced. Uh, like, I think there's going to be a huge market for these glasses before we even get those up and running. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And I would go further. I think that these glasses will not for a very, very long time, these glasses being the, the true full AR glasses we're talking about, will not for a very long time even replace them. I think this is not a next generation of this is not generation four of the Ray-Bans. This is going to be a separate product line. You're going to have the, the Ray-Bans sold as smart glasses with a HUD for $300 or $500 or whatever it is. And these things are going to come along at like $2,000. These are going to be an expensive, really high-end product that for the first five years are going to be for tech nerds and enthusiasts who want to try this out. And it's going to be a, a, a long time to get to that S-curve where these things can be sold for $500 and have the wide field of view and the, as you say, the, the computing capability to do the AI capabilities locally on device. All of that is going to, you know, I, I've said this many, many times in this podcast and I, I stand by it. In the 2020s, we will see a taste of AR glasses, but they will not become a serious mass market product until the 2030s. For now, 
We are just talking about seeing these arrive in the same way that in the early 2000s, you saw some of the first smartphones arrive, but it wasn't until the 2010s that you actually saw smartphones that were, were good enough and cheap enough for, for mass adoption. And the same way, the same thing would have happened with personal computers. You know, you could ha- you could get the original Macintosh in the 80s and, and computers like it, but it wasn't until the, the iMac and the Windows 95 and 98 era of computers that they got cheap enough and good enough for people to want. We are still in that the technology is is being born. We're nowhere near the cheap enough and good enough for most people era yet. Okay. Well, I just I want to call out the comments and just say it's it's we're going to come back to this, David. I know we've talked about it nonstop, and he's tired of talking about it. But our commenters, the way you're talking about this subject, uh, it it matters. It's it's going to come back again and again. The, one of the comments I saw there, there is a light on the Meta Ray-Ban second generation glasses and they actually added a deterrent from generation one to generation two uh, to if you try to mask the light, it should have some sort of a detection there to see if the light is actually active. I've, I've blocked the light accidentally and seen a pop up there that it says that you should not obscure the light. Um, so they're, they're trying to make sure the light is visible. Um, we haven't even discussed the idea that like very soon the cameras can actually zoom in for you and see things that you can't that are further away. That's the feature that John Carmack has talked about being a game changer almost overnight as soon as we've got it. Um, I, I'm clearly using these glasses and loving the videos that they capture. They're incredible. But what I want to tease out on this show and with you, David is it's a changing of guard. It's the changing of the way we experience media. We just spent a, a couple of decades in the era of the selfie. Um, and that's what you're pointing out of all the people out there on the ice rink taking selfies. We're going to enter a new era with new types of photography and new types of video capture. It's what I think we're seeing when you, you take a step back of everything, right? People playing video games online and, uh, capturing uh live streaming from themselves wherever they are there's something collected like we're going to be sharing new forms of media in the future and i think uh that's a good place to talk about the beginning of 2024 i don't think the the videos that you capture the photos that you capture out of the ray-ban glasses make sense on traditional displays right the videos are vertical um, that makes sense for phones, but it also makes sense in VR or it makes sense on displays that are vertical. Uh, it makes sense when the way we experience things are vertical. It, 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 it follows that Andrew Bosworth has said that it matters. We've got vertical field of view. It conveys that when you've got a, a vertical image of what you're capturing, showing you everything you're looking up at and everything you're looking down at, as well as the people you're interacting with all around. Um, I think that's going to be the story of 2024 underlying all of this technology. Uh, our, the way we share media is changing and it's beginning to change with these new devices, including Apple Vision Pro, MetaQuest 3, uh, and these Ray-Ban glasses.
Yeah, it's just very ironic that the new Ray-Bans only have one camera, so they can't record stereo video, whereas the old ones theoretically could have with the software update. And just as Apple is starting to add, you know, spatial video, i.e. 3D video support to Vision Pro, it looks like iPhones are, are all the new models next year will be able to record that. I wonder if by Gen 3 Meta will bring that back. But yeah, the, the zoom and enhancing is, is a really interesting potential feature that could be done on even the smart so, glasses, as long as they have a major, a minor HUD. Um, I've seen a few people ask, you know, being skeptical about use cases of AR glasses. And, and just off the top of my head, I can think of a few. You get IKEA furniture and you bring it home. And instead of a booklet that you follow, you, you scan a little QR code and you see a, a silhouette of the furniture in your room and you kind of just attach each piece one by one and arrows guide you through it or you know something breaks in your car and you, and you flip it open and you see like a video game style step one step two step three tutorial pop up and showing you exactly what you have to do once you have a device that is comfortable to be worn uh on your head all day that is socially acceptable that is you know fallback transparent that has an awareness of the, the world around you the, the possibilities here are, are endless. It's like in the same way that no one could have predicted all of the major uses of smartphones and all of the dozens of apps that people use every week, there are so many use cases of these glasses. And I really, really hope we get to try these Orion True AR glasses yeah. at MetaConnect 2024. So, so I will stay on topic here, at least you know, to address the Orion. It's going to be funny if we do actually get to see them if there's any kind of um, like color discoloration in the the lenses, if I see any ghosting or secondary images of the lenses offset, the things I've seen in like Hololens one and two, it, it's going to be astonishing if they show these off and the lenses aren't perfect, at least inside that field of view, right? Like I'll be I'll be very disappointed if they get us that far and it's not great. Sorry, I lost connection there for a few seconds. Yeah, it'll. I think hopefully with the silicon carbide waveguides and micro LED displays, they should be able to avoid a lot of those issues that are inherent in devices like HoloLens too. The problem for me is going to be how disappointed will we be in the actual consumer product years later if we do get to see this, uh, you know, far out North Star product. Is Meta going to make a mistake in showing? Mm-hmm. Like, imagine they had somehow shown. Uh, Quest 3 when they were releasing uh, Oculus uh, Quest, you know, like the the original Quest or even something further. Say they had shown you like an equivalent of Quest 4. Would you then be as excited about the original Quest? It's an interesting question. If Apple had showed off an iPhone uh, 7 when they were launching the iPhone one and said, oh, this is what what it's going to look like in a few years and forget about the fact that what we're about to sell you is worse in every way. Is that a great strategy? I, I wonder how much of this is just Meta needs to show the investors what they have been spending tens of billions of dollars on. And at some point, you know, I, I do wonder if this is more about justifying Reality Lab's existence after eight years of this project than actually anything that may be directly useful for the product line itself in the near term. So Blair making the comment, Silicon Carbide Waveguide is one of the coolest sounding strings of text I've heard outside of Star Trek. Uh, a lot of people still debating the, the 
what I've set up here, the, the, the fact that we are in for a changing of the paradigms. And I, I want to make clear I'm not really taking a stand on the paradigms shifting just yet. I'm, I want to just point out that they are going to shift. The thing, the thing I, I want to bring up is like uh, the, what it does if you've got that many cameras capturing that much of what everyone is doing that much in public is I would ask the celebrities who are the targets of most of our cameras most of the time in public, what does it feel like to go out in public and always feel like everyone is watching? What does it feel like to always feel like cameras are on you and people are watching what you're doing? Um, and that you have not just no privacy, like there's, it's I'm seeing in our comments people say that there is no privacy in public. That's that's not exactly true if there are no recording devices around, right? There's an assumed there's an assumed uh people are gonna forget you by for most of your actions. But if there's a dash cam on every car and a video camera in every doorbell, you're always being recorded if you're in a city. You, I know, you but like a typical uh, city uh, street, me, you're on a dozen cameras. Sure, sure. I'm just let's let me go back to my celebrity question of how do the celebrities feel to always be in eyesight, to always know that they're going to be analyzed. That is the feeling coming for everyone, in my opinion. So I, I want to leave I'm going to leave my thoughts there. David, do you have any other comments you want to get into? Anything else you want to say? The the one last camera example, I feel like every time we discuss this, I had a new example of a camera is drones. You go to a beach, you go to a lot of nature parks, you'll see people flying drones. You're on their camera. They are typically recording everything they do. I don't see many people on beaches or nature parks care. They don't seem to change their behavior in any way, even though they're aware that on somebody's SD card or phone or hard drive, there's a video of them in, you know, if you're on the beach and in your shorts or a bikini or whatever. No, it's, it's, it's not, you're absolutely right. It's just, it's, it's one thing to know your images are in a database. It's another thing to know that anyone can tell any AI, uh, to collate all of your actions in public and tell what the picture is. Like that's, you, you, the person who has access to the most feeds of the most people has power in that scenario. And we just need to discuss it and, and have a, a real discussion over just uh, how are people using that data? There was a, there, there was a story. I remember when Uber started, right? A journalist rode the car to Uber's offices and it was shocking to them that the marketing managers at Uber were actually able to watch the phone ride uh, watch on their phone this journalist being driven up. It was news to the journalists that that could be done. Well, what what's what's standard practice now? Everyone ordering DoorDash and actually watching the drivers as they get their food to their place, right? The paradigms will shift around us. The question is just, do we actually, you know, have, do we lose power? Do we lose agency when all of this information is collated? Because it's not the images sitting inside of a database. That's not a big deal. It's when all of the data points are connected and an option is taken away from you that you didn't even know was there. That's stuff that happens all the time. Yeah, I think uh, what the solution to this may be that people need to have the legal right to their likeness. You know, you need to be able to 
this this is a, a solution I've seen presented that whether it be from real imagery or AI generated versions of your yourself, be it your physical appearance or your voice or even just the way you write, someone should own the legal rights to their likeness as a human being. And, and that seems like what regulators in some countries are looking at right now as a potential solution that works across the board with all of these AI issues. Mm. Yeah, the discussion is ongoing. I'm I'm really, really appreciating uh, everyone getting into this. It is not an easy subject and it is going to be on ongoing. Um, the, 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 I'll leave on this note that like I was, I posted that video on Instagram. So I used Meta's own platform. I used Reels to post a video of uh, Natalie Portman and my kids riding around the ice skate rink. And I went into the, the app, the, the Instagram app, and they've made a licensing agreement with Natalie Portman to have her music. She's a singer apparently as well. And one of the songs I discovered was called a uh, private, private world. Uh, it's, it's interesting. You can go find it from Natalie Portman. But it's describing this exact situation of living a uh, a public life or a private life in public. Uh, and it's just funny. Meta has already done the work of licensing that song to add to their videos, to post on social media with the videos from the Ray-Ban glasses. And I'm just pointing out I've wanted that feature for years out of Apple, right? I've, I, I'm, I'm a first-generation iMovie user, iDVD. I was burning those discs back on the early 2000s of my family videos and, and showing them off. And here I am in 2023, and Meta has built all of the features to add music and post it publicly that Apple should have had years ago. And here we are. So that's that's the very future of Meta is exactly what I just described. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Lots of great discussion. We'll be here next week, hopefully, as soon as I get back from CES. David Heaney, thank you so much for your hard work keeping everyone up to date on everything. Please become a member. Support our hard work here trying to suss out what is actually coming in the future. Help out, sort for our audience what's fact, what's fiction, and what's misinformation, what isn't. So thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much, everyone. Happy New Year. We'll see you next week. And as I've said at the show, we plan to try out UE VR later this week to bring you our reporting on it, our thoughts, and then we'll have a huge discussion about it and what it means for PC VR next week.